On this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we visit Switzerland and get three kilometres above the ground in Titlis. The Swiss Alps beckon as we check out a trio of toothy peaks and the murder wall, named because so many mountaineering attempts to scale it result in death. On the topic of death, we visit a James Bond museum before heading back home to Wellington. We check out some great eats and drinks before a wee wander from Paikakariki to Pukekura Bay. That's all ahead on Kiwi Tripsters. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts... Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard for a fresh edition of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike Yardley. Great to be back with you and dramatically good to see you, Andrew. Absolutely, Michael. Speaking of dramatic, let's kick off by transporting you to the Swiss resort town of Lucerne. Many New Zealanders may think that sounds like a bale of hay. Aha, that it may be, but it is also Switzerland's answer to Queenstown. (laughs) Uh, Go the bale of hay. The topography and the setting of Lucerne is uncannily similar. Not to a bale of hay. No, no, to Queenstown. Very good. Yes. So they're both swathed in snow-capped mountains. They're both wrapped around a glacial lake. And Lucerne, like Queenstown, is a year-round tourist honeypot. Uh, So you've got those incredible soaring peaks, backdropping proceedings, lots of piercing church spires, medieval towers. You do feel like you've just drifted into a walk-in painting. Oh, how lovely. I know. But Mm. I put the easel to one side um, and just... (laughs) Watched the mist gently rising off the water when I woke up in Lucerne. It's like a very elemental, meditative sort of experience. It does sound like this, Michael, yes. Watch the mist rise hmm. as a lake steamer pootles by. And then you realise you'd left the jug on. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to sweep you up. Oh, yeah. Lucerne's landmark mountain is Pilatus. Legend would have you believe that the serrated peak was named after Pontius Pilate. Yes, Uh, I'm not sure if that legend is really true, but apparently his ghost has supposedly haunted its heights ever since his corpse was hurled into a summit tarn. Yes. Pontius Pilate. Yes, poor old Pontius. I'm not sure Pontius Pilate was Irish, (laughs) but but there we have it. He is now. Yeah, well. So, yes, in this crown of mountains, uh, Pilatus is Lucerne's brightest shining jewel, and it's backdropped in red skies quite routinely, which is also so steeped in legend and folklore, and the locals call those red skies dragon's breath. I love that. That's very cool. Yeah. Dragon's breath. So many fanciful yarns endure about dragons living on the slopes of Pilatus. So you've got Pontius Pilate yes. from, from the Bible yes. and some dragons. Yes, they the, cover a lot of bases. I was going to say, they're doing well here. Yeah. All sorts of tall stories. But aside from that, the landmark mountain rises dramatically from near sea level to over 2,000 metres, and it makes for a magical excursion if uh, you have a few hours. Between May and October, the Bells and Whistles tourist experience is the Golden Round Trip. Now, this entails boarding a lake steamer for a ride to Alpnestad, uh, then a trip on the world's steepest cog railway. 
I love a cog railway, Michael. What, oh, yes. what are they called? Yes, uh, close to a funicular. Very close to a funicular. <laughs> uh, all the way to Mount Pilatus before the descent on cable cars back to Lucerne. So you yes. get a bit of travel here. You do. Now, that cogwheel train first opened in 1889. Ooh. But they do keep up the maintenance on it. Um, <laughs> You'd hope so. Last, last service. <laughs> exactly. 1893. So you will be hauled through incredible alpine meadows, sparkling mountain streams uh, out the window, menacing rock faces. It is like Swiss engineering on full display as you get hurled up to the mountain. Then Hurled? Yes, mm. exactly. Mm. Uh, and then the latest technological addition, the aerial cableway across steep chasms. That's been nicknamed the Dragon Ride. The Dragon Ride. Yes. I love a ride across a steep chasm. Exactly. And when the icy breath of this glaciated world starts to get the better of you, you just (laughs) retreat inside the panorama gallery on top of the summit. So it's nice and toasty as you linger longer (laughs) over those dreamy vistas. (laughs) Also close to Lucerne, uh, Engelberg is a recommended jaunt with a population of just 4,000 people. Engelberg's long-standing status as a holiday resort has endowed it with some grand old hospitality architecture. Yes. By the way, in uh, English, Engelberg tr- translates as Angel Mountain. So angels, dragons, yes. Pontius Pilate. Yes, it's, it's all happening. It is going on. And for those seeking virgin powder... On its heavenly slopes. <laughs> it's a very nice, <laughs> yes, move on. Uh, it is a very popular place for skiing. Also, spiritual pilgrims uh, still head to Angel Mountain or Engelberg because there is a 12th century Benedictine monastery. So skiing monks, yes. Yes, exactly, yes, uh, with its superb off-piste credentials. Engelberg is a very popular spot to reset the mind and to refresh the body, Andrew. This does really have a lot to take in, doesn't it? Yes. Now, a short walk from Engelberg train station leads you to the Titlis Valley Terminal, where more cable cars await you. Yes. Oh, now, I actually think this is my favourite aerial adventure in this part of Switzerland, Mm. the Titlis Rotier. Ooh. Which is not a rotisserie of, you know what? Yes. Um, it yeah. is the, <laughs> it's the world's first revolving aerial cableway. A revolving aerial cableway. Yes. That's amazing. Were yes. you scared? I was. Yeah. But what you've got here is like you take your, your, your standard cableway or gondola, right? Yes. It twirls. So it's going around and round and round as it goes up. If you know what I mean. Yeah, that would be rather unsettling, <laughs> to be honest. Titillating fact for you. The Titlis Rotier sweeps you across the dazzling Titlis Glacier. Yes. As you mount the summit mm-hmm. of the 3,000-metre-high mountain. Wow. So you are suspended very, very high above the snow line and right up the top on the sun terrace. 3,000 metres, that's three kilometres. Yes, That's very high, isn't it? Yes. You could virtually touch a plane. You could. Uh, But right up on the summit of Titlis, uh, you've got the most incredible infinity view. 
a few to take your time over. You've got Iger, you've got Monk, you've got Young Frau, all shimmering on the horizon like familiar friends. And what makes Titlis such a gem is that it boasts the only publicly accessible glacier in central Switzerland. How about that? Now, in another famous first, 10 years ago, Europe's highest suspension bridge, the Titlis Cliff Walk, opened for business. 3,000 metres high. It's a vertigo-inducing bridge strung high across Titlis Glacier. Uh, the bridge spans the length of a rugby field. Oh, of course it does. <laughs> I was waiting with a... <laughs> I got my rugby field ruler out. <laughs> and the thing is, it's only a metre wide. What? So you've got to, like, shimmy your way across. So what, you're three kilometres... Yeah. Above ground. Yes. And you're on a walkway that is barely a metre wide. Yeah. Wow. I know. So if the spinning cable car <laughs> didn't do, do you in, yeah. this would be close. Definitely. And you were just like staring into the abyss. It would be like staring into an abyss. <laughs> yes. Now back in town, visitors to Lucerne flock to the Lion Monument. Oh, this oh. is such a showstopper in sandstone. So oh. you've got this huge figure of a dying lion hewn from the face of the rock ledge. Can you feel the love tonight? Born free. It'll do. (laughs) (laughs) It was designed 200 years ago. Oh. And uh, the monument actually commemorates the death of the Swiss guards who were killed while trying to protect King Louis uh, XVI during the French Revolution. In 1792. Yes. Yes, lovely. One of my favourite authors, Mark Twain. Nice. Who we've talked about quite a bit lately. We have spoken of Marky Mark. I think he's nailed it. He wrote that this Dying Lion monument is the saddest piece of rock in the world. I love that. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. But Lucerne itself is such a stunning wee place. Pocket-sized museums, lots of galleries, and admitted... Amid its trove of exhibits, in the Museum of History, you can actually see the original Lucerne lion resting there. What? <laughs> so the one that's actually the one that's actually in the st- um, stone wall yeah. is the replacement because the original Simba. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mufasa <laughs> had some say in proceedings. No, what happened was after the original sandstone sculpture was made. It was then lugged across the Alps from Italy and got cracked and damaged. And I thought, well, we can't put that up on display. So technically it's the second saddest piece of rock in the world. You're quite right, Andrew. Thank you. There you go. Fun fact. Very good. Just ahead, sticking with Switzerland, we scale more alpine heights from Interlaken. Back in a mo. Back with Kiwi Trips, there's Mike and Andrew as we scale the heights of Switzerland. All right, Interlaken and Jungfrau. This is the absolute heart, the beating, pulsing, central. Robbing. Yes, of the, of the Swiss Alps. Yes. <laughs> so if you haven't had a f- your fill of Alpine glory, this is where to head. Yeah. The Jungfrau region. And the big three in this region, Eiger, Monk and Jungfrau. Of course. So these are those famous toothy peaks that sort of huddle together like a trio. (laughs) And they obviously remain thickly coated in year-round snow because they are so high. But what makes the region such a magnet is the fact you don't have to be a mountain goat to enjoy high-altitude encounters 
with these particularly tall turrets and their slithering glaciers, this is a trip to blow your socks off. Blow your socks off. That's a quaint little phrase. Thank you so much. Yes. Now, the train ride is an absolute must. Yep. Uh, why is it such a big deal for train spotters? What makes this the, the oh, thing? Well, you know? from yeah. Interlaken, mm-hmm. within two hours, the mm-hmm. Jungfrau Railway zips you up what uh, is called the Roof of Europe. Oh, lovely. The the Roof of Europe. Yes. And the highest railway station in Europe, mm-hmm. Jungfrau Jok, perched on a saddle just below the summit. If I may say, yes, and this is not to cast aspersions on any particular ethnicity, but yes. young Frey Yok yes. sounds like something you'd order at a, for example, a Chinese restaurant. Yes. Young Frey Yok. Yes. It doesn't one, remind me of the Swiss. One young Frey Yok and a chicken fried rice. That'll do. Yes. Mm. And what astounded me mm-hmm. is just how high those Alpine villages ascend. They're all sort of cast under a Narnia like spell. You see sprinklings of chalets in the most implausible of places. Did you check out the wardrobes in these chalets? <laughs> well, true. You never know what you'd find in there. Might have been another lion. <laughs> Could have been. So high is this place that in the fact, train... In fact, I think we mentioned Aslan in the last podcast too. We did. Yeah. Yes, the Waitaki. C.S. Lewis yes. is getting a bit of a spell here. Yes. He's giving Mark Twain a run for his money. <laughs> he is. Oh, dear. But in Young Frau York, the train is the only means of transport because you're just so ridiculously high above sea level. And the final 10K of the train trip actually burrows through Iger and Monk Mountains to reach Young Frau. This is a trip to behold. Yes. And it's equivalent uh, It's equivalent to taking a train trip to the top of Mount Cook. So just imagine if we could do that, you know, a, a train trip right to the top of Mount Cook. Yeah. Unreal. It's not so. Eh? The notable stops along the way, there are many. Well, my favourite is a place called Latterbrunnen, and the beauty of this village is ethereal. You've got dozens of chalets crouched under the base of ginormous rock faces, waterfalls dripping down, uh, plunging hundreds of metres in a vertical drop right behind these chalets. It is a knockout, and the walking trails are a must before you jump back on the train to head up to the roof of Europe. Now, one of the uh, known phenomena uh, of travelling to these sort of parts, especially for sports stars when they're going to compete yep. overseas in high-altitude areas, they've got to really acclimatise themselves yep. before performing. Did you notice your lungs yep. working harder at the summit? Definitely. Yeah. The key is do not rush. Do not rush about. And take lots of deep breaths to try and acclimatise to the very thin or thinner atmosphere. So the Jungfrau train station, how high is that? Um, the Jungfrau train station would be about 4,000 metres. So that's about four kilometres yeah. up. Yeah. Wow. Yep. It is just, I mean, as, as we referred to in terms of Mount Cook, Mount Cook is 4,200 metres to the yeah. summit. Yeah. So that you're nearly at that height on a train, for on God's train. sake. Yeah. The Sphinx Observatory building at the summit of Young Frau is like a castle in the sky. Yeah. You sort of expect Elsa to enter the fray, <laughs> you know? Um, Voldemort. Exactly. <laughs> and when I was there, the day was so clear. The views were so immense. You could see France. You could see the Black Forest in Germany. It is just insane. That is incredible. Now, the descent, which is another experience in itself, does the descent follow the same route or are there different options? Well, once you're out of the tunnel, you can either head back to Interlaken via Latterbrunnen 
or via Grindelwald. I do like that place and I love the name. I did the latter. I went to Grindelwald and the train threads you around the menacing rock face of Iger's North Wall. This is sounding very Harry Potter too. Yes. And it's menacing for a reason. Ah. This is what the locals call murder wall. Because most mountaineering attempts to scale Iger and the North Wall result in death. Ooh, okay. I've never really understood the psychology of those yeah. extreme adventurers who think, yeah. oh, well, I'll put it all on the line. And yeah. sure enough, in most cases, it's all over over. Yeah. Um, but Grindelwald Village itself is fairy tale charm on steroids. It is one of Switzerland's oldest resorts. Spectacular. Now, for 007 fans, which I'm one of, uh, Young Frau is James Bond country with a mountain that took a very big starring role in the classic On Her Majesty's Service. Absolutely. And Bond fans must head to Shilton Shilton Mountain. I want to say it another way, but I think correctly it is Shilton Mountain. Mountain. Yes. On Her Majesty's Secret Service still plays on loop. Of course. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And the somewhat spectacular revolving restaurant, Purpose Built. Yes. Uh, was the lair of supervillain Blofeld. Ah, Blofeld. He was played by Tali Savalas, whose first name was actually Aristoteles. Uh, So... Which character is a direct and complete send-up of Blofeld? Ah. Uh, if I said $1 million. And I see a pink pussycat. Yeah. I, no, I, I think uh, Dr. Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil. Yeah, Dr. Yes. Evil and Austin Powers. Even yes. down to the pussycat, it was a complete send-up of Blofeld. Didn't they both have a really big ring on yep. one of their fingers? Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. Now, the film producer actually, what was what to do with the construction? Yes. This is amazing because they were like the producers of uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service were so struck by the setting. They were adamant uh, that that is where they wanted to base a lot of the action in the movie. So they built this lair, which is now a spectacular revolving restaurant, and it's been left ever since. Uh, This movie set has become the restaurant, and it's got its own little glorified museum on site. You can actually go on the simulators and, like, uh, take a bobsled ride, even a chopper shootout simulated. So, you know, you can fulfil your wannabe 007 dreams here at Shilton. So that restaurant is actually the lair that was built for the movie. That is cool. The movies are really cool, cool, Mm. James Bond, except for the fact that it had one of the lamest ever actors for James Bond. I mean, George Lazenby (laughs) was his only Bond film. Thank goodness. Man, oh, man. Uh, he was worse than Timothy Dalton. Anyway. <laughs> Nearly as bad as Pierce Brosnan. Oh. oh. Actually, no, Pierce was okay. Pierce Brosnan was great. Yeah, Not okay. as good as Roger Moore, but Pierce Brosnan was very, very good. Now, the museum, that's an easy reach of Interlaken too. Yes. I'd do Shilton as a separate half-day trip from Interlaken. If you want to do the roof of Europe, of course you do. On the Jungfrau Rail Day, that is a full day excursion. So give yourself at least two nights based in Interlaken. It is scenery licensed to kill, Andrew. That was a Timothy Dalton James Bond. Uh, It would be a view to a kill. Ah. Which was Roger Moore's last James Bond. Which is the Duran Duran soundtrack. Very good. Thank you. Uh, Next, we're switching racetracks with a wild and windy old time in Wellington. Uh, Back in a moment.
You're back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew. Let us go short haul back home with some insights on enjoying a weekend break in Wellington. Now, whenever I think of Wellington, I think food and wind, but mainly food, because the capital's hospo scene is so very, very good. And let us look at some of the top haunts. It is such a tough assignment to dip into the hospo scene in Wellington because oh, it's always have, evolving. I could imagine that. Take one for the team. Oh, you're, you're there oh, eating and drinking. It was exhausting. Yeah, I could imagine, oh. yes. But for destination dining, I would have to say make a booking at Bellamy's oh, by Logan Brown. Yeah. How Wellington is that? I cannot think of any other parliament on the planet which has opened its doors for public dining within the halls of power. Indeed. Now, I do recall us consuming a bottle of Bellamy's port one year, courtesy of the G-Force. Oh, yes. I think that was a Christmas gift from Jerry Brownlee, wasn't yep. it? Jerry Brownlee, yes. the G-Force, bottle of Bellamy's port, and uh, it was a very, very fine drop. Previously reserved for exclusive use by our parliamentary representatives, Bellamy's is now open to all on the third floor of the Beehive. They even let me in. I Well, yes. Yeah. Hopefully not after a bottle of Bellamy's port. <laughs> you can book for lunch or dinner, and I went for lunch, which is very light, very flavourful, very nutritious. I had a nice comfort market fish. Oh. Yes. And it was um, very stylishly presented with miso butter, potato foam. I don't know about the old foam. Potato foam. <laughs> I love it. It's very, I mean, it's very pretty, but... Seriously. <laughs> How much nutrition can you get out of foam? Seriously. Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, um, beautiful. The thing is, after feeling virtuous after having fish for lunch, uh-huh. I made sure I reserved some stomach space for dessert, and I had this outrageous thing called a Madeline sponge. <laughs> so I dived into Madeline, mm-hmm. and she was adorned with cream fraiche, rhubarb, opalins twill, which are those... Ridiculously, like, crispy, sugary wafers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Once again, very pretty, but seriously, how much <laughs> how much sustenance are you going to get out of an Opalins twill? Um, and this was all drizzled in a nice strawberry and elderflower sorbet, which was quite the vote winner. Right, heading over to Victoria Street, Kui Kui Lane is the latest bar to open in the neighbourhood, inspired by the Kuiya, or grandmas of the world, within the snug, inviting and relaxing spot, Manakitanga uh, flows freely, with a Māori design influence woven throughout the venue. Beautifully described, Andrew, and Thank you. I, I really do recommend Kui Kui Lane. Um, it's under the helm of Jess and Ronan. It's a really homely bar, and it would appear this could be the only bar in the nation that only sells New Zealand-sourced products. Really? Which is quite a thing. That's quite a claim, too. Yeah. yeah. So it certainly is the only place in Wellington. Um, so we're not just talking about the beer or the wine or the cocktail list, but the food. Everything is New Zealand-only produce. Could you taste the difference? It, it felt um, or tasted very fresh. Everything was very fresh and clean. Yeah, mm. totally. Very nice. Now, if you need a cocktail suggestion. <laughs> We're never far away from one of these from you, are we? I whistled up a Wellington wash. A Wellington wash? <laughs> a Wellington wash. Mm. So I ha- am quite partial to rum-based cocktails. You are. And uh, this concoction 
includes black collar golden rum, a New Zealand produced rum, mm. boysenberry liqueur, pineapple juice, and lime, which is milk washed. Did you feel washed up afterwards? <laughs> Well, I felt washed up for quite some time. Another recent arrival that is creating a lot of buzz is just a few blocks down from Kuikui Lane on Guzney Street. Humdinger is the latest creation from Sean Golding, Shepard Elliott and Hannah Wells. Now, it has a heavy metal American vibe and it's very, very cool. Skulls plastered on most surfaces uh, down to the jukeboxes curated Music list. It's so you, this place. (laughs) Oh, my God. Now, there are more than 15 distinctive cocktails on the menu, and they are so inventive. Well, that's very you, yes. (laughs) After I had recovered from my Wellington wash and tried all 15 distinctive cocktails (laughs) on the menu, yes. Um, I tried a Margarita Thatcher. I love that name. A Margarita Thatcher? Isn't that brilliant? That's lovely. Margarita Thatcher. So just like the classic... If you're into your margaritas, it is a blend. Or, or your Margaret Thatcher's, yeah. Well, that's true, yes. This is a blend of tequila, triple sec, and lime juice. The reason it's called a Margarita Thatcher is because they add a nip of blue uh, curacao, which turns it Tory blue. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> it's so cool. I thought Maggie was very cool. Yes. Now, Golding and Elliot are also the brains behind Concord, which opened less than a year ago on the same site of its legendary predecessor, the Lido. Hmm. Inspired by old-school American bistros, uh, the theatrical colour palette is a mix of reds and oranges and punches of gold with retro carpets, lots of velvet and tasseled light shades. Yeah. Can't go past a tasseled light shade. <laughs> very, very retro or very oh, yeah. like John Bon Jovi's jacket, one or the other. Yeah, it is. It is like retro and theatrical all in one. It's just trippy and escapist. I loved it. And adding to it all of the uh, the mood lighting, particularly at night, so you've got this jet blue and red mood lighting adding a very sexy touch in the evening. Mm. Concord is not formal, it's not fussy, it's casually stylish, and lots of really cool spins on bistro classics. So you may want to try their fabulous uh, shrimp cocktail. I downed one of the wildly popular cheeseburger royales, my God, if ever there is a melt-in-your-mouth burger, this is it. Cheeseburger Royale. Love it. There's always something cooking on Cuba Street, and a crowd favourite to add to your food safari is ombra. Yeah. Now, if you um, are a fan of Venice and some of the informal backstreet cafes, which they will call Barcarol, this is very much inspired by that. So, it, once again, it feels very homely. It's got lo- lots of period curtained windows. The shelves are stacked with old Campari bottles. Oh. Yeah, it just feels really, really cool. Um, nearly 50 small dishes are featured on the menu. I would have to say, given my partiality for anything duck, don't miss the slow-cooked duck risotto with mascarpone. Mm. Mm. Finally, for a deep dip with Middle Eastern cuisine, Damascus Restaurant on Tory Street is a delight, specialising in authentic Syrian food. Now, yep. Syrian food is not something you... I mean, you hear Greek, you hear yep. Chinese, Japanese, yep. blah, blah, blah. Syrian food is not something you hear a lot about. It was a newbie, uh, this place for me. I don't think I've ever had true, real deal Syrian food. So I headed straight to the grill. <laughs> <laughs> was either going to be the grill or the bar, but yes. go on. I went to the grill and I uh, whistled up a shish tawuk. I love that name. Shish tawuk. Yeah. 
So this was grilled chicken topped with yogurt, mm. chili, Damascus spices, and garlic sauce. Fantastic. And once again, make sure you reserve some stomach space for dessert <laughs> because you will surrender to a halwa mousse. Halwa mousse. First time I'd ever come, come like, across halwa. Sounds like hell of a mousse, but anyway. <laughs> hell of a mousse. Yes. In the hoose. Well, halwa is a thick, buttery paste with saffron, rose water, and cocoa powder. And then the mousse blends that halwa with coconut cream, boysenberries, sesame cookie, and pistachio. That is Syria right there and now. Isn't it just? Amazing. You kind of think about that Mm. and you immediately go, what an odd combination. But then you think about the flavor combination and you think, actually, wow. Yeah. It is mm. sensational. Right. Sounds too good. Uh, just to head after all of that indulgence, we head for the hills and the great outdoors of Wellington. Back in a mo. This is Kiwi Tripsters with Mike and Andrew as we romp around windy Wellington. Now, no, you know, we say windy Wellington. The wind's not that bad, but it's just what we know it is in New Zealand. Let's look at some of the outdoorsy ideas with wild and woolly Wellington. Yes. Well, mm. smack bang in the heart of the harbour, I definitely would suggest you should take a ferry over to Matu Soames Island. Oh, yeah. It is a sublime nature reserve. It's a haven for endangered native birdies. Well, you'd love that. Oh, my goodness. I was in heaven. And mm. it also features a very long list of historic and ecological attractions. So uh, you'll travel through thriving native forest. On your way to visit World War II gun emplacements, you've got all those old quarantine buildings with their incredible history and a very quaint lighthouse. Now, rats and other you know pests were eradicated from the island in the late 1980s, so it is apparently predator-proof. It's a sanctuary and has been a godsend for endangered native birds, which you'd love. Ah, yes. I have to say, the standout is to get up close and personal with a kakariki. Okay. Yeah. With the kakariki. Yeah. The red-crowned parakeet. They're very chirpy, very friendly, very sociable, very vivacious, and they were successfully reintroduced onto the island and have gone gangbusters. Big breeders. I was surprised how close they will let you get to them. You say that about all the birds. The thing is, the amusing thing about you is you love looking at the birds. And you don't like them when they start getting close to you. You've got a love-hate relationship with them. You love looking at them, mm-hmm. but they freak you out when they go all flappy near you. <laughs> flappy. Well, you do. I always get freaked out by flappy. <laughs> and you're not a huge fan of creepy crawlies either. No. No. But. but However, yes. uh, one of the island's great claims to fame is the giant wetter, the Cook Strait giant wetter, no less. These are very cold. <laughs> Also, the Wellington tree wetter, mm-hmm. um, they are thriving. Big breeders once again on this island. There must be something in the water over there, I think. <laughs> but they were both reintroduced 25 years ago, and, yeah, they have gone off. Um, so you really do have this amazing little island channeling Noah's Ark. It's like a, an ark <laughs> of native species <laughs> in the heart of Te Whanganui Atara, Wellington Harbour. And there is a fantastic 40-minute loop track, which – uh, knits together all of the key sites and encounters, including those amazing views back to the city skyline. Absolutely. Now, if you want to make a day of it from the island, rejoin the East by West Ferry and tootle on over to Days Bay. Days Bay. Days Bay. I mean, the name itself 
just exudes relaxation, doesn't it? Doesn't it just? Let's go to Days Bay. Yeah. Ah, it is such a charming seaside haven. It almost sounds like something you'd find in Australia. Days Bay. <laughs> it is too. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> it's a very tempting sort of place just to sloth on the beach with a chocolate milkshake. <laughs> they do very good chocolate milkshakes. Which I'm sure you found out very quickly. Yes. yes, there is a cafe called Chocolate Days Cafe in Days Bay. There's a lot of thought went into that name. <laughs> So there's a cafe called Chocolate Days in Days Bay, and yes. they serve chocolate milkshakes. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. If you are feeling virtuous after your chocolate milkshake, why not hook up with Wildfinder Pencaro? Now, these guys will let you hire an e-bike, and off you go, soaking up the dramatic coastline from Days Bay all the way to Pencaro Lighthouse. It's about a 90-minute return ride, so very easily done after your milkshake. <laughs> Now, the octagonal cast iron lighthouse has its own captivating backstory. Not only was it the country's first ever permanent lighthouse, it was also home to the first and only female lighthouse keeper, Mary Jane Bennett. Now, Mary's husband, George, died in a boating accident in 1855, but despite being pregnant, Mary was undeterred from her duty. She stayed on for six years as the lighthouse keeper, raising her six children Alone, isn't that amazing? Good grief! Tough cookie, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine that with the six children? Who left the light on? <laughs> oh, exactly. You're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a boat? <laughs> so after soaking up the history on a clear day, you've got the views right across Cook Strait to the South Island, the serrated Kaikoura Ranges. It's a banger of a ride, beautiful views. By the way, Wildfinder, they also offer kayaks and stand-up pedal boards uh, for hire from the boat shed at Days Bay. And because the beach around Days Bay is pretty calm, being harbour-fed, um, great place to do that. Probably far more reliable than any of our Cook Strait ferries at the moment. There is that. Yes. For a complete change of scenery, head north to the uh, in Transmission Gully, north of the capital. Now, Transmission Gully has been in the news a bit because yep. it's been an absolute disaster with the roading. However, park up next to Paikikiriki and lace up your boots for a walk along the escarpment track. Amazing. So this runs from Paikakariki to Pukirua Bay. It's only a 10k Walk, but you will need to have a reasonable level of fitness because there are some strenuous features to it, particularly the 400 steps up the stairway to heaven, which felt like hell. (laughs) Aptly named the stairway to heaven, though, because the sky-high views are seraphic, angelic, beautiful, paradise views across the coast and the ocean, even though I felt like I'd just encountered a very hellish walk. Um, (laughs) But no, I tell you what, if you're prone to vertigo, Mm -hmm. are you prone to vertigo? Nah. No, I've never really understood that. I think these people are wuss. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, if you you are prone. A lot of people are just turning off their podcasts right now. But anyway. (laughs) If you are prone to vertigo, don't do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm. thank you. Additional highlights include swing bridges near the Pukurua Bay and the soothing shade of native forest. Then there are the unforgiving drop-offs. Yes. I don't like an unforgiving drop-off. No. And once again, if you're prone to vertigo, mm-hmm. don't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not for the faint-hearted. And when we say unforgiving drop-offs, we mean it. 
best enjoyed at a leisurely pace, as long as you're not prone to vertigo. <laughs> um, make sure you take plenty of water. You will need it. And you will also have the opportunity to drink in those knockout views. But do keep a watchful eye on your footing. And we mean it. And if you only want to walk it one way, which a lot of people do, you can catch a train back to where you started yeah. in Paikakariki. Yeah. So mm. very sort of low carbon footprint, this whole experience, isn't it? Very virtuous. But it really is <laughs> our walk of the gods. Love it. And that is it for this edition. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes are available on the website, kiwitripsters.co. For scintillating travel reading, mm-hmm. check out the travel articles on our sister site, fortheloveoftravel.nz. That is fortheloveoftravel.nz. Plus, we'd love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice, and many choices there are too. Oh, yes. Mm. Take us up your stairway to heaven. What? Yes, lavish, lavish us in your praise. Hey. Or Mm -hmm. take us to your unforgiving cliff edge and slap us. (laughs) Sweet and sour, (laughs) we take it all. (laughs) And we do look forward to catching you again for our next edition of Kiwi Tripsters in a week's time. If you are prone to vertigo, don't do it. Take care now. Peter Plumley Walker, vertigo, waterfall. Hooray! And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.